I'm Troy Washington from KTBS3 and we welcome you to Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers and community leaders, letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools in our community. We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me introduce you to my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Now, the physician world, healthcare, they know you, they love you, and you've been very active with education. Yes, they do. <laughs> you've been very active with education as well for 25 years. So just tell us why you're so passionate about it all. Well, education's been a great deal to me. It's I believe in the American dream, and I believe that's how you get it through education. I've seen it in my own life. Listen, I'm just really thankful to get this opportunity to, to talk on education checkup and to meet with a lot of people, learn a lot about what's going on in our education world where we live. And I'm thankful to KTBS3 and you uh, for doing this uh, because I think it's a great service for our community. Today we're gonna, we have two special guests um, and we're going to talk on the area of truancy. Uh, that is an area that has been discussed a lot. Uh, it's a major topic in education and it's a problem um, that we've had to deal with in our community, especially now, you know, post-COVID. Um, we have two here. Uh, first, Casey Monero. Uh, you, uh, last job was to uh, work uh, as the uh, principal at University Elementary for years. Uh, by all my friends talk, a great job uh, that you did at university. Uh, and I know they miss you there, uh, but you have a new job, okay? And that is uh, as uh, the director of well-being, uh, a child well-being specialist. I'm sorry, right. it's, it's a new, new thing. Though, right? It's yes. fairly new. It's and, very new. Very and, new. And so we'll talk a little bit about you know <laughs> yes. what you do in, in your job. Shannon White, uh, who is a classroom teacher for quite a number of years, 14, 15 years, I think. Uh, six years ago, you took a job with the uh, Volunteers of Youth Justice uh, on the nonprofit end, and you're working with schools, especially in this area of truancy prevention. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, and being able to share what's going on in our community uh, as it relates to this. So let me just throw out the first question is, why why are we talk about truancy? What's important about that? I mean, what's the well, deal? If the child is not in the classroom, they cannot learn. So if they're not there, they're not going to get the information. And uh, and we've seen a big uptick in truant students since COVID. It is uh, really on the rise. Why why do you think we saw that? What's happened? I really think kids got used to not going to school, you know, and, and parents too. You know, we saw parents who were staying home with their children or letting their children stay home due to COVID issues. And then it just became a habit. It became the norm. And unfortunately, we haven't gotten out of that all the way, which is a huge issue. I think it took a minute for it to become a habit. Mm -hmm. And so now what we're in the phase of is getting out of that habit. Yes. Out of that <laughs> habit into a new, <laughs> ha into a new habit. Right. And that to me is the key, especially in our kindergarten and our first grade students, establishing that habit has been missing. And when you sit down and you meet with families and you talk about the barriers to good school attendance, you find that 
there aren't simple things like establishing a bedtime routine in place or, or getting your clothes out the morning before so that you're ready to start the day or setting an alarm. It's really things like that that set a child up for success. Well, I've got to tell you, I was shocked when uh, you wrote that. To me, the kindergarten, first grade are the worst in the area of truancy. That's the most important grades of them all. Those are foundation. <laughs> foundation. Oh my gosh. And we talk about it. Casey and I have talked about it, working with her at her school on attendance issues there at university when she was principal. And I've been doing this with Volunteers for Youth Justice for this is our seventh year to partner with Caddo Schools to specifically address K through five elementary school attendance every single year. My highest numbers of cases and families to work with are our kindergarten and first graders. Well, how do you think, how are we gonna identify those children that have never even entered the school system and yet they're not going anywhere, they're just at home? Is there, a, is there some way that we can identify them so we can help them? Well, I think you can look at preschool enrollment and then community by community, just getting the word out, especially about enrollment in our, in our early childhood programs. If we can get possibly pediatricians to talk, <laughs> to talk to moms and dads about the importance of education at an early start. Caddo has a great early start program um, ready to roll and, and they can get children enrolled if they know about them. Your question about how do we find them, <laughs> I think we've got to go Just word of mouth, word of mouth mm -hmm. and into the community. And I would say to piggyback off of that, one of the things that we see that is a problem is um, parents oftentimes associate, um, like with their two or three year old, um, they go to daycare. And so sometimes they associate um, kindergarten or preschool with daycare. It is not the same thing. Um, it, is, it is a program that gives the children foundational skills. And even in the daycares, we see a lot of those foundational skills being taught also. But sometimes that makes the parents like devalue the kindergarten or preschool programs. Like, oh, it's no big deal if they miss, it's just daycare. It's a, it's a place for babysitting. They're not looking at it as an educational place that it is and how it's so important for them to get those foundational skills for their language development, uh, to learn how to read. All the precursors to them reading successfully happen in pre-K and K. And so it's just, it is absolutely imperative that they get there on a consistent basis every day so that they constantly are hearing those, um, you know, those words, those phrases that they need to get as a foundation. So, you know, y'all know a lot more than I do, but I, uh, there's a statistic that they told me, and it's true, uh, is that they, they determine the number of jail cell beds that they need uh, in our state based on third grade reading levels. So if children are not in school in kindergarten and first grade or miss too much, that's just it's a, a lifetime problem. of discipline. Right. And when people hear that, they think, well, my kid has to be okay by third grade. They're not thinking about how that starts at has two years start old. That there. starts at when it starts at birth, right. giving them the things they need, the nurturing, the loving, just making eye contact, talking to your child, your baby. It starts with babies yeah. and touch and feel, you know, hugging them, holding them, not just putting them in a carrier and leaving them there for hours. They have to interact with their babies. That is the start of it. Um, and then when they are old enough to walk around and hold things, not just 
just handing them a phone and saying, go and you know, be on your own, or I'm on my phone, I'm busy, I can't look at you or listen to you. It's really important that they have these interactions. Positive interactions are the precursor to them succeeding in school. We've talked about that a lot, that a lot of people think, well, is my you know, how successful is my kid doing in fifth grade? But it's like it all starts at the very beginning. And you, if you, you want to give your kid the best start. Right. Absolutely. So it, you don't, I'm not saying it's ever too late, but that early childhood, that it's, right there. You can't ever have it back. Kids. You can't get those experiences back. The teachers can't recreate those lessons. Um, when a child is missing school, they're missing those building blocks. You think of education in the early childhood years as a building block, and that's building the foundation for later learning. Um, we we use that third grade um, marker, and it's it's holding true. Um, children who are consistently missing those kindergarten and first grade fundamental skills are going to be struggling readers when they get to third grade, and then that sets up the the um, being behind in middle school, and which sets them on a path for Failure not drop yeah dropping out mm -hmm. or possibly juvenile delinquency behaviors. Mm -hmm. And what you see is also third grade. You know, if they don't have those foundational skills, everything is just going to get harder. harder. It's only going to get harder in fourth grade, harder in fifth grade, and then you've got the gap widening and widening for that child. And all they do is sit in frustration from not having those foundational skills they needed. Um, and that fifth grade teacher can't stop her lesson and go back and do all that. That's what the, is really a big problem is that they've got to get it when they're supposed to get it. And so kindergarten, first grade, those, those grades are just essential to success. Listen, y'all have done a great deal here with the argument of why this is important. There's no doubt after listening to you that it is very important. <laughs> What can we do about it? Now, as a school system, you know, what can we do to reduce truancy? I know that both of you have worked on various things, um, so I'd like to give you the opportunity to talk about the things that you think will work in reducing truancy. I know that I listened, you know, to the district attorney talk about truancy and uh, and how, what it has to do with juvenile crime and then all aspects of it. So. I'll just, whoever wants to go first, you know, what do we do sure. about it? I'll start. And um, I think it begins with engaging our families at the school level. Um, so we need parental engagement, whether that means inviting our parent, being, a, being an inviting environment to be inclusive of our parents. Um, we need to make sure that we are providing our parents with as much um, information and education to support them in supporting their child. Um, we need to fix transportation. That's always when I meet with families. I have a team that meets with families. We have 39 elementary schools and throughout all 39 we hear an issue about transportation. We need bus drivers. We need to increase those bus routes. We need to not expect a K through fifth grade student to walk within a mile. In Caddo Parish, a student that lives within a mile of the school is not eligible for bus transportation. If we um, are real about that, that's a lot to expect of yeah. an elementary age child in some pretty dangerous neighborhoods yeah. with some neighborhoods that don't have sidewalks. So that's a lot to expect. Transportation is huge. It's a huge problem. Um, 
perhaps as a school district we need to look at um, a single color uniform that would be the, a, a uniform at all of our schools instead of a child having to have moved to a new school and having to get different color shirts or different color pants. Um, those are the things that I hear on a regular basis when we meet with families. And on another uh, kind of a flip side of the, the parent part, um, the schools also have to be a welcoming environment where kids want to come mm -hmm. and want to, to, to be there. They, they want to love to learn. Um, and we only can instill that if we have educators who love learning and love those kids and are building relationships with those children. Um, and we have a lack of educators. Uh, we need more teachers, you know, we need more bus drivers. We need these people um, to come and be a part of the school system so that we can give kids, you know, what they need. You know, talked, uh, you talked a little bit in, in, uh, in written communication about what was going on at university as it relates to truancy. Could you share a little bit about that and uh, how it might apply, potentially apply other places? Sure. Um, we have actually at several schools we have outside organizations that have come in to give wraparound services to our schools and university was very lucky in having a pilot program that we put together through the VYJ um, that, that created the wraparound services for our kids and one of the components of that service um, was a truancy officer on our campus and that truancy officer or agent um, got to know our families. She was there at carpool duty, she was meeting people, greeting people, um, talking to the kids who have tardies, like what, what kept you at home today? Why didn't you make it on time? You know, what can I do to help? And you know, sometimes it would be as simple as I don't have any socks and I was looking for socks forever and it took me forever because I couldn't find any. So she goes to the uniform closet and can get that child some socks and we can move on. Um, but, and that's a simple one, but you know, it, there's, there's so many different things that she was able to learn about our families and be a part of our community. Um, and then they expected that, you know, if, you know, if I'm not going to be at school, she's going to find me, she's going to call really my, right. Yeah, she's she's going to come knock. knocking on my door, you know? And so it gave them that relational, again, it's back to relationships and it's a back to caring. It's always comes back to those two things. If you have someone on your campus who cares about that student and is making an intentional effort to see where they are, to see why they're not there, to go to their house and knock on their door, to talk to their grandma or their aunt who is the guardian of that child, you know, and find out what's going on, you are gonna have a, a decrease in truancy because you're gonna have somebody who cares, who is, who is trying to find out about them. And that's what happened at university. We had a serious decrease and I think it was 15%. It, it was probably 15 um, to 20% decrease. Yeah, it was so huge. I'll say before the pandemic, it seemed like we kind of started to rope in this whole truancy issue. That is true. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, so um, the numbers were down and then we kind of saw them go, you know, Back steep. Up. <laughs> right. But up. what ballpark it for us, where are we right now? Where are we, I mean, obviously hoping to be is like, we have some schools no. that have 46, 47% truant. I mean, we have some really we truant do. schools. You know. There are many schools that are approaching half their population being oh. truant. Which means 10 plus days of somebody is out for 10 plus days. Yeah. I feel like we're with the schools opening back up to being um, 
welcoming to parents being back on campus, including, you know, my staff. My staff was able to, was had to meet off-site with parents. And when we're problem-solving with a family, being on that school campus is, is huge because you can bring in everyone who can help wrap that family and make sure that we're making good decisions for that child and for that family. Being two years of having to meet off-site with families was tough. So I'm excited about us being back and being able to say, hey, meet me up at the school. Let's talk. Well, let's call the counselor in. Let's see if the principal can poke her head in and, and see what we can figure out to help eliminate whatever barrier they've shared. Um, one in everybody to pull out right. all the stops to help you know find out to get to the root of it and help you know to one of the descriptions of your work talked about this taking care of the whole child and the whole need of the child which includes what's going Everything on at home right. mm -hmm. getting them to school and when they're there wanting to come back so is that part of that too uh, in looking at truancy and absolutely and, and and when a child doesn't have what they need like we talked a little bit about uniforms like that can make them embarrassed to come to school um, it, you know it, it can it can give them a sense of shame or I, I don't I don't look like the other kids and they're gonna make fun of me or something like that even if they're not they may feel that internally um, and so helping make sure that they have everything they need that they have food of course to eat um, now we have um, dental services on the campuses you know we have a lot of different things that we're offering some schools have cl full medical clinics on the campus for kids to get really an entire whole child experience of whatever you need to keep you healthy to get you to school you know there's nothing that is a barrier we're taking out all the barriers there is no reason why you can't come to school so that's that's kind of the the goal and I mean, for some kids, it's even helpful to come into school because David Raines has partnered. Oh yeah, with, that's uh, one. That's one of the healthcare yeah. centers. I did yeah. a story on that. Mm -hmm. And then you talk with the fact that a lot of these kids during the pandemic they struggle to um, get their three meals, mm -hmm. and a we lot of schools, yeah, too. provide mm -hmm. that. So there's a lot of opportunity yeah. for that full child and the whole child to get everything they need and to feel embraced on campus. And so, like as long as you're partnering with the parents as well right. and they know that hey this is good for my kid because you never know what their background is or right. why they might not see the value True. of going to school every day and so and they may have had a bad experience yeah. themselves they may have had a horrible experience in school when they were young so then they don't feel like they're not going to make their child go to school necessarily because they remember their bad experience and think that it might just be as bad and they don't even make them go sometimes you know with that said though I think what the district attorney talks about is carrot and the stick. So uh, we talking a lot about the carrot and what they need to do, but parents are need to be accountable and responsible for getting their children to school. Um, that's just part of being part a, of being a, a parent, parent <laughs> in, in a society because mm -hmm. it's what's the best interest of the school. So I think we do all of those things because that is frightening to me, the statistic y'all just talked about it's with... It's my motivator. That's what keeps me Nearly half? Her carrot. It is my <laughs> carrot. Yes, it's, it's it, a, it is a huge problem. Um, I don't think, you know, as a community we realize how so. much our children need us to rally around them and around their families because they're missing those key building blocks. They're missing out on the chance to be anything they want to be when they grow up. Mm -hmm. 
and that education is you know yeah, it takes that a village, village to raise a child and we have some parents unfortunately who might still be asleep but their kid wants to come to school mm -hmm. but they may not be waking up themselves for whatever reason or they may not you know see the value in it and not getting it whatever and if their child is a little older they might can get themselves to school but you see those preschoolers and four-year-olds five-year-olds six-year-olds that may not be able to get themselves to school and so that might be why we're seeing that increase in the lower elementary not getting there um, because really the parents got in a habit of not getting up because of COVID and once you're in that habit it's really hard to break. And that's why I was going to ask you like where does it start because if you have 50 percent that who are truant right do you individually take each student and try to figure out what because it's not all the same like we understand that you know this student it could be because the parent works late and this student mm -hmm. it could be just simply it, they're going through something like someone they don't have a car something, you know like that, yeah. so you have to look at each like you're always you guys are talking about the whole mm -hmm. child you have to look at each individual that's case right. or something that's different. why that truancy that's officer sweet. on the campus is <laughs> so why important that truancy officer that's made exactly. such a difference because mm -hmm. that's what my staff essentially does but with a staff of six with 39 schools they have six and seven schools apiece mm -hmm. and so not being available to each school immediately right. all the time right. makes it hard being on her campus jade was my truancy officer that was on her campus and is still on her campus and she gets to know the family mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. she builds trust um casey's talked about relationships that's what my my whole goal is is that families see they get a phone call from volunteers for youth justice and that phone number comes up and we say hi this is shannon from volunteers for youth justice that they understand we are here to help we're the problem solvers Support. we may not have all the answers but mm -hmm. we're going to figure it out and you're right it is an individual by individual basis yes it has to be that way mm -hmm. and you know I can say that I look at the statistics of what happens with COVID. I had a particular interest in that in my field mm -hmm. and watching what happened. But I can't remember people talking really about the effect of COVID on truancy now. Mm -hmm. We talk about it for depression and we mm -hmm. talk about it for mental health concerns and we talk about it for suicides and we talk about it in all these other things. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody, any other statistic about the impact on school attendance um, and getting to school. So. Well, and we could also say that that might all be connected, having the mental mm -hmm. health issues of depression and all those things that happen because of COVID has, is keeping people from coming to school too. I mean, that could the be anxiety very, around coming oh, back to very school. very much the anxiety of coming around of a crowd back. of getting people, back a bunch of people. And being around people. And who might have had COVID or right, might have sick, COVID. Right. Or, mm -hmm. right. Whoa, okay. Covered a lot of ground. Uh, the Harbor Resource Center. Oh, yes. Okay. On a positive you note. You start okay. <laughs> well, um, you will soon be hearing more um, about the Harbor. Um, we probably, I would say, Kelly Todd, our Executive Director of Volunteers for Youth Justice, has four years, I would say five to six years dreamed and wanted and wished for a location that would be a quote one-stop shop. It would be a place where families could come and receive 
the help for those barriers, whether it's mental health, whether it's coming to see tasks, whether it's families in needs of services, they're seeing our, our older our our older children, seeing our FINS officers, whether it's some um, PT or OT. Um, all of the the pieces that a family needs and we're sending them all over the city and sure. these are families that have struggle struggle with transportation, transportation. Mm -hmm. don't have the means and are frustrated when you've got to go to four different locations to finally get an answer or four different places to finally get the help that you're looking for and they've agreed to do it but we've made it so difficult by everything being spread out far so um, in partnership with Caddo Parish Schools um, you are going to see the work has already started on the building six on Ninth Street to transform that into a place called the harbor an anchor for families so that a lot of services can be located in one place to make it easier for a family to get the resources they need. So the services might be government aid sure. services, the services may be nonprofit services, the services may be school services, all, all you're talking about trying to put it under one roof, under one roof, where someone could come and instead of saying go, go across here, the here and they can immediately leave there, yeah. you got to go, go here. here. They oh. can even sign yeah. up for SNAP benefits at this location, like everything they need. And it's on right. the bus line where they can get off right there. It's right by Walmart, across the street from Walmart. Yeah. They can get off the bus line right there and have everything they need in There's going to be a multitude of, you know, it, it will grow, yeah. but resources. there will be a multitude of resources in one location. And for a family that's struggling, it is going to be a huge blessing. You know, when we do that, the next thing we need to do is to put all of the starting a business uh, kind of things that need to be done in one, one place. place. <laughs> uh, that we can do a lot of one-stop shops. Yes, I think that right. would really well, help Shreveport, nice. Bossier, and uh, Northwest Louisiana in lots of ways. But this is a great yeah, start. It is. You know. And one thing that you didn't mention was the conflict resolution classes that are there. Right. And that's a huge um, part of truancy and attendance. If a child gets um, suspended from school or has a behavioral infraction, they can be sent to conflict resolution, especially if it's a fight or something in that realm of conflict. Um, they can be sent to the harbor. While they're there, the parents can see all these other resources that they might can get for that child and, and do other things. Um, but that is an, an alternative to suspension that is it's huge and it is growing exponentially. It's growing. It growing. growing. But, um, but that's one of those things we're working towards, um, you know, leaning towards more um, restorative practices instead of punitive punishments like let's try to get them the the help they need to solve conflicts kindly do things differently they may have to do some kind of restitution about what happened but not make everything punitive and that child feel like they're not welcome back or they're not wanted at that school because they had a fight or they were in a fight. yeah and again it, it's it's the whole model the the trauma-informed school model that we put on university's campus it quickly gets that child back in the classroom and back engaged in learning. Well, all of that kind of brings to my mind this controversy over expulsions and suspensions and the impact that they have. Could you talk a little bit about that? Is that uh, an issue? <laughs> Former principal can talk about that. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say, I mean, just a common sense, if they're expelled from school, they're not in school to get, you know, any more education. They're not right. learning anything. So we have got to look at things differently when we talk about um, children 
are going to break the rules. They are going to have fights. They are going to have fusses or problems or whatever. They may make mistakes. Of course they're going to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Are we doing something to teach them a better way or are we just kicking them to the curb? And where has that gotten us by mm -hmm. kicking them because to the curb? That does disrupt their flow. Completely. Completely. It tra yeah. changes the trajectory of their life. Because once they have been expelled from school, they feel like a failure, feel like they can't come back from that. And a lot of times they don't uh, come back in or transition back in well because they just do it again so they can get back out because they feel uncomfortable being at school after that. So, you know, giving other, you know, having other solutions like the conflict resolution class um, or, you know, other things that they can do, some types of restitution. Um, where they're not being expelled or suspended, a lot of times we see suspension. Sometimes they look at that as, as something that's fun for them to go home and play video games or yeah, you know do right. things that are that are not um, actually. It, it's it's become the opposite of what it was intended a long time ago. And I think that we've got to change with the times and see that there's got to be something else that we can do to keep these kids in school. And there is. It's looking at that behavior through a different lens. Yeah. The why behind the behavior. Uh -huh. What is this child telling us through their behavior? What is the need? And trying to meet that need by by making the out of school as not minimal, uh, yeah. as little as possible. And what we see, and, and I'll just give like one little scenario, is um, you know, you have a child who is being disruptive in the classroom. Well, instead of you know telling them to go to the principal's office, then that principal is trying you know has to suspend them or follow the the discipline grid to to you know get them out of school or whatever. That child misses three to ten days because they're suspended for that behavior. Instead, they could go to this counselor who is designated to intervene and proactively help that child find out why they're acting this way. Sometimes it can be as little as they're cold and need a jacket. I mean, it can be really minute things that are causing them to misbehave that it's just that we haven't taken the time to ask them the why. And so if you have somebody designated that can just take them out for 20 minutes and talk to them, walk them around the campus, go to the calming room or do some other activities and get them back in after they're regulated, they didn't even miss, but they only missed 20 minutes of school instead of missing three to 10 days of school. Yeah. So that is a win-win for everyone involved. Can you explain the calming room? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah. go. How about you? You would. You would. <laughs> the bubble tower is the my bubble favorite. Tower. So the calming studio is a place where kids can go and adults can go um, when they need a break, when they're um, on the verge of melting down or they just may need to just decompress, you know. And um, there's a a lot of different things that you can do when a child is um, having a bad day or melting down or getting dysregulated um, but the calming studio we created with the grant through the VYJ it has um, a, a trampoline in it it has um, the favorite I think is the sand the sand the there's sand. sand in it there's a bubble tower there's calm music um, there's all these kinds of neat things um, that are that are um, sensory related and help that child like get regulated again. Some kids really need to jump on that trampoline like 50 times so they can calm down, get it out. you know, to <laughs> get, get it out, there, get, it get it regulated, regulated. right. And then some kids just need to sit in a space that has no noise or that has no light or that is just less light. Um, because being in a classroom where it's very loud or it's, you know, there's a lot of going on. Overstimulates them. Right. And so it makes sense that, you know, getting them in a place where they can just have a break, it's 
we all need a break sometimes. And and mm-hmm. teachers too, you know, letting the teachers come and, and kind of calm down because sometimes they're at the end of their rope and <laughs> we say their lid is flipped. Their you know, lid is flipped. Your flipped lids. So you're putting your lid back on by going to the common room and trying to, you know, deal with it. Do you ask to go or does someone say, hey, you... There's you want to go check of, it out? Or there's, how a myriad, there's a myriad of ways. So either so number one, A, we're teaching teachers how to recognize triggers. So right now we're in this phase of teaching teachers how to see that a kid is about to go there. Flip their lid. They're about to flip their lid. So let's proactively intervene before that it's flipped and call the we can we, at university we were able to call the crisis counselor or the TBRI trained professional. Um, but at, at other schools, it might be just the school counselor, it might be you know a, an administrator or whoever that can take that child and get them regulated before they go off on uh, whatever it is. Flipping their lid completely, their lid 100%. Completely. You know, and it's on top of that, you're also then teaching the child skills and strategies to self-regulate. So what you're doing is scaffolding them to the point of self-regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there a time that they completely flip their lid? Of course, they're children. Um, As adults, we need to know there's a why. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad behavior. There's a why behind that behavior. And then be proactive, like she said, in trying to help the child manage it, get back on track, feel good about themselves, and back in the classroom. It's remarkable. It all goes back to relationships and seeing you know, knowing that kid, being aware of that kid's emotions, their facial expressions, what they're doing. And, and once you've connected to that child and you kind of know them, you can make decisions like that and be proactive. In education for so long, we have just been reactive, reactive, reactive. And, um, and now we have to kind of flip that script and catch it before it happens so that you don't have to suspend the kid or you don't have to put them um, in, a, in a punitive situation because you caught it. So it's training teachers to catch that and training teachers to make those bonds and connections with kids um, and, and see that before it becomes a problem. I learned a lot. This is great information and thank y'all for coming. Before we go though, what I'd like for, is to ask you some final thoughts. So final thoughts that you'd like to express to parents concerning this idea of truancy, and then final thoughts that you'd like to express to the community. So let's take final thoughts for parents first. Do you have any summing up thoughts? Final thoughts, communicate, um, especially with your school. Communicate, tell your school what's going on with your child, share the information, reach out, be part of the team, don't ignore those phone calls from J Campus or from your school. Don't ignore phone calls from Volunteers for Youth Justice. The task truancy officer is here to help. Um, so I would say communicate, communicate. Make sure your phone number gets updated so that you're receiving. We've become, you know, the digital world. You're, you're getting J Campus automated calls from the school. You're getting emails from the school. Make sure your phone number and your email address is updated so that you are getting every information that the school is sending. They're sending a lot, and some of it will be relevant to you, and some of it won't. But don't ignore those things from the school. And I would say similar to the same thing is about communication. Sometimes um, you may have a reason why you can't get your child to school or there's something to do with, you know, they're having a bad morning or whatever. Just talk to your child's teacher about that or talk to the, the person that gets them out of the car at, at duty, you know, in, in, the, in the morning. Um, giving them that information sometimes may help 
that child for the rest of the day. And it would also say, you know, getting in the habits, like we talked about a little bit, getting in the habits of going to bed at a certain time, waking up with plenty of time to get to school. Um, and I'm even guilty of this too, you know, hitting that snooze button. Like, don't hit that we snooze button. It. Because then what happens is you get stressed and you create stress in your child when you're rushing and you're trying to get out the door right. and get your backpack. Where's your backpack? Where are your shoes? You know, all of that creates stress for the child and then they may not have as good of a day or they may not be able to focus in that classroom because of those things that happened that morning. So. Well, thank you very much. Uh, again, uh, appreciate your time and effort and all the work that you do, both of you, you and others in the school system to educate our kids. And, you know, we don't get to hear some of the positive things that are going on and all the work that's being done and the challenges you have to face. Uh, and it's good to hear it. Uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So let me make sure that I have it down. Communicate, stay connected, <laughs> develop good habits, and don't hit snooze. <laughs> we'll have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.